Welcome, everybody, to the Lockdown Lakers podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined by Pete Zayas. Pete, I'm recording from a closet. And I'm still mad about the Celtics game. So. <laughs> Eminem just released an album, so I decided I'd put myself in a closet. Um, did you, uh, did you, like, we've had some time to kind of marinate in, in, in the stew that was the, the shitstorm that last night was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said you're still mad. Did anything else kind of strike you overnight, or was it just like, you know what, it was an awful game, move on, let's beat the hell out of the Knicks? I I was talking to Sean Matian uh, on Twitter, and he was like, you know, (laughs) that this is a mid-January game, all the the stuff like, you know, they've been traveling a lot, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I could accept this against anyone but the Celtics. And he appropriately replied, they don't care about that as much as you do. And he's right. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean I have to accept that or be okay with that. I wouldn't be me if I wasn't. But he's right about that. It just like that's part of also the, kind of makes some shitty Lakers. <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? Like, is that's it's there is no historical rivalry with the Celtics. Like LeBron has a rivalry with the Celtics that goes back to back years, but it's not a Lakers rivalry for him. Just the whole. Yeah, just losing to the Celtics in that way is never going to sit well with me. I'm just sorry. It's not. And, like, I have, you know, y'all know my thoughts on the Celtics, uh, or at least some of them. You know at least the result of my thoughts of the Celtics, that I fucking hate the Celtics. So (laughs) losing by 32 and giving up a buck 39 just ain't going to sit well with me. So, no, nothing new. Just still still irritated. Yeah, I, I. This is kind of the downside to the mercenary approach that the Lakers have utilized in building this roster is that, like, the guys that are on this team aren't going to be as invested in the history of the Lakers and the Lakers right. and the Celtics that, you know, if let, – let's say let's say we head down the hypothetical path where the Lakers don't sign LeBron James and they don't uh, trade for Anthony Davis and – they never think that they had a chance at those guys. So they keep D'Angelo Russell. They keep Julius Randle. They keep Lonzo Ball and all of the guys that they drafted. And then like 10-ish years down the line, you get a game like last night where the Lakers, like the, the guys that the Lakers have now raised are playing against the Laker, a Celtics team that is more homegrown. And mm-hmm. they have learned and, and and been a part of this rivalry now for a decade or so. Like the those Lakers, that version of the Lakers, while an objectively worse team, by the way, would mm-hmm. better understand what it what what last night means to the fan base, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's where Sean's well, point is 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 fair and well made, but it it doesn't mean that that can't piss us off any less. And, and also, it doesn't mean that to the entire fan base. Like you and I both talk to a lot of Laker fans on Twitter, or at least see what they have to say, right? Uh-huh. And I'm 39 years old. The Celtics Lakers thing means more to me than to a 19 year old or even a 29 year old. Mm -hmm. I can't be mad at Laker fans for not having the same passion as I do, but I have my reasons for feeling the way that I do about the Celtics that are well earned over the course of my lifetime. So it pisses me off full well knowing that I am, I represent a, like my passion, passionate hatred for the Celtics is very much generational. 
It's not something that somebody in their early 20s or even mid 20s. And we're talking a lot of these players are that, too. Yeah. Right. Who also don't have that long term connection to the Lakers. But for me, I can only speak for me. I can't be the voice of every of of people that don't have my experience. Losing like that to the Celtics is not okay. I just get that I'm in a vast minority in, in that respect. I I mean, we, we've had now a couple conversations about, you know, I guess what is quote unquote wrong with the NBA nowadays. And like this is the downside to the to the amount of player movement that you see is that you have less mm. cultural impact when when you, you wind up rooting for laundry and you wind up sure, you know, the guys that you are rooting for now, like we know that this is like a four or five year top marriage with LeBron between LeBron and the Lakers, right? Oh, and that's that's like a great that's, scenario, that's right? Best case that's best case yeah. scenario here with LeBron and the Lakers. A D might be the same way. And, you know, to a certain extent, while I completely understand and support player empowerment and the ability to, you know, find the best situation for yourself, this is kind of the downside to, to yeah. the fans who are saying, hey, man, I, I just want somebody who is inv- as invested in this rivalry as I am. And I don't think that's too much to ask for. I, I think there are there are positive points to be made on both sides of this equation. Yeah, I think the rivalries these days are more between players like LeBron versus Steph and Mm -hmm. like wherever they go, there's always going to be that type Booker versus double teams. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Where whereas it's not like like the old days where it's like teams versus teams. Like my first basketball memories are watching the same Lakers, Magic and Kareem. Year in, year out. Played the same Celtics, Bird, McHale, Parrish, Ainge, all those guys every single year. And in that familiarity and especially with the stakes that they were playing at there were like hard and dirty fouls and things like that like a, a lot of fans don't don't remember the robert ory throwing the towel in the face of danny ainge mm-hmm. when robert ory was a player for the suns and ainge was his coach yeah well like those things go back to their playing days or was talking about this the other day he was like i freaking hated danny ainge now this isn't <laughs> In the midst of that, like, Lakers-Celtics rivalry, this is a few years after that, but he had his own reasons for disliking Danny Ainge. But all of those playing at high stakes over and over and over again, they didn't like each other. They developed an actual rivalry that just doesn't exist anymore. And as an older Laker fan, that's hard for me to swallow because I knew when Sean said that, I was like, he's absolutely right. I just don't like that at all. Yeah. All right. We're going to uh, take a quick second. So – in yesterday's show, we talked quite a bit about the dynamic between LeBron, AD, and Kuzma. I want to get to some of – Pete and I were DMing really briefly back and forth about an observation I made about the way that the veterans interact with with Kuzma just in general. Um, so we're going to, in the next segment, talk about that a little bit. And then in the third segment, depending on how much time the second segment takes up – uh, we are going to open up the mailbag and, and answer some of your guys' questions because we are a little behind on that. So hang tight. We'll come back here in a second to, to get to all that. Today's show is brought to you in part by MyBookie. Head on over to MyBookie.ag, enter the promo code LOCKEDONNBA, and they will de- match half your deposit up to $1,000. So if you deposit $2,000 into their app uh, or into their website – they will match half of that and you can you get to play with that just as soon as you log on to the site uh it is the best place to make any possible bet they offer you parlays and 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 everything that you might need on any on every sport you got the super bowl coming up you got nba in full swing uh college basketball is 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 well underway as well hockey 
all that good stuff. If you want to make prop bets and stuff, they have that. So head on over to mybookie.ag, use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA, and, and they'll match that deposit uh, of 50% up to $1,000. Today's MyBookie bet of the day is going to be between the Lakers and Knicks. The line isn't quite out right now. I'm recording this on Tuesday afternoon, but I would say if the Lakers are getting any less than eight or giving up any less than eight points, that is a that's probably a pretty secure bet. I would imagine they're going to remember they're playing in New York, so you got to factor in the three points or so that is uh, that they usually award to the home team there. But I would I would say that the Lakers are, Lakers are probably pretty comfortable. They're coming off of a loss. They don't want to lose two in a row. LeBron playing in Madison Square Garden for a variety of reasons. This is just this seems like the kind of game that the Lakers should be able to take uh, care of pretty easily. So bet on the Lakers. Bet on uh, bet on the Lakers at mybookie.ag. Again, the promo code is locked on NBA. Mybookie, you play, you win, you get paid. So I'm saying this and I'm starting this talking point from the standpoint of I understand why it exists, right? I understand why – like there were just we, – we talked yesterday about uh, me being the, the shitty student in class that teachers didn't like uh, because I was a shitty student. <laughs> like I understand why there wasn't uh, – there, was uh, there was a little bit of animosity there between the, the teachers and me because of the way that I went about my business there. I understand why veterans on this team look at Kyle Kuzma and say, I wish you were a veteran, right? Mm -hmm. I understand it. I think some of it is wrong. I don't, I don't agree with it necessarily, but I understand it. And what I have started to notice, and I, and I think some of this is confirmation bias, but what I've started to notice here is you start to see guys, you know, every single time Kuzma makes a mistake, they're in his ear about it. And it'd be one thing if Kuzma got that got that criticism and said, no, it's my bad, it's my bad, it's my bad. He goes the other way where he last night – back. Yeah, the, 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 the play that uh, comes to mind, and I, Pete, I think you know which one I'm talking about too. Uh, LeBron makes, by the way, an insane skip pass down the baseline out of a double team uh, that gets to Kuzma. Kuzma, the, the easy natural play there is just to rotate the ball one more time over to Danny Green, who was standing wide open at the at the wing for a wide-open three-pointer. Kuzma instead uh, kind of, I wouldn't say looks off Green, but takes a dribble into the key, tries to lob it to, to JaVale. The play breaks down. And after the play, Green like was yelling at Kuzma like, yo, what the hell, dude? Mm-hmm. And and that's a play that Kuzma has to make, and and mm-hmm. that's you know that to the to a lot of the people when I when I point out some of the stuff on Twitter, I'm not I'm not apologizing for Kuzma. That was a that was a bad basketball play that he made. So Green points that out, and instead of Kuzma saying, "Yeah, dude, that's that's on me. I gotta I gotta be better about it." You saw them kind of going back and forth when the Celtics were taking a, a free throw down at the other end of the court, and I'm not. I I I guess my question to you, Pete, is. Like, do you think the veterans are going about this dynamic in the right way? And do you think eventually they might kind of reconsider their course of action here of, look, let's just, you know, kind of sort of break them down and build them back up. At some point, if Kuzma just every single time is lashing back out at them, do you think they rethink things or do you think 
they just go to you know LeBron and and AD and and everybody just kind of goes to management and says you know what man like let's get somebody here who's going to be on the same page we might have a lower ceiling but let's get somebody who might be on the same page here no that's a great question Anthony that and the framing of it of him pushing back being the real core of what's important about that I I think what matters is how he reacts to it not in front of us, but in film sessions, yeah, behind in, the scenes. like, cause, cause like in the heat of the moment, it's like, Oh no, well I actually saw this instead. Right. It's, it's like arguing, I've got a teenage son. Right. Yeah. And there are sometimes where I'll say something and, and he's like, yeah, but this and that I'm like, bro, I'm like five steps beyond what you're thinking right here. <laughs> cause, <laughs> right. I'm, Cause I'm older than you. I've lived life. Right. right. And, and that is, that is very much the energy from Danny green and LeBron, uh, Kuzin Javel, I did a piece for The Athletic kind of on this, right, about Kuzma getting a crash course in playing winning basketball and yeah. how there's this push and pull. There were these two plays. One um, one was against Cleveland, then the other was Orlando. On the In the Cleveland game, Kuz was supposed to throw up a lob to JaVel and missed the read and threw up a floater instead. And I think he got uh, an offensive foul ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And JaVale's like, throw the ball up. Like, and so they get into an argument right there. And exactly what you said about Kuz being like, oh no, well actually I was doing this. And JaVale's like, man, shut up and listen to me. Yeah. Like, I know what this is supposed to be. That's very much what Danny Green was doing, right? The next play, and this is telling to your point about how they should proceed. In the very next game against Orlando, the same situation pops up. And Cruz drives to the basket, and JaVale points up to the sky just as he did in the Cleveland game. Cruz actually lobs it. JaVale dunks it. And then they shared a moment, right? Yeah. It was like, you got it. That's mm-hmm. exactly it right there. And Cruz delighted and like, oh, hey, I did I did get it. And um, yeah, Cruz delighted in that. And uh, JaVale – JaVale's reaction was telling to me because he was super excited that Kuz got it. It wasn't like there are two ways those things can go in that like JaVale's reaction could have been like, damn, finally, like this dumbass finally got it, right? (laughs) But he didn't do that, right? He was like, yes, that's it. And so I think the Lakers, just from an observer's point of view, I don't know this specifically, the Lakers know how important he is and they know that getting him up to speed and getting him on the same page is really the is really the best. It's almost a linchpin issue. <laughs> oh, it is a linchpin issue, man. <laughs> yeah. We need him, man. Yeah. Like, we'll see what happens at the trade deadline. I don't think he gets traded, mm-hmm. but – he could. And he's really the, obviously the Lakers' main piece they, they have to to get something significant back. But in, in the absence of that, let's assume he's not traded. We've got what? It's January 21st as we're recording this. Mm-hmm. We've got until April 15th for Kuz to make that pass to Danny Green, to throw that lob to JaVale every single time. All of that, yeah. right? And, and so that – like how's that – that's not going to happen without them – like this is the positive I, influence of the vets. Yeah, no, I, I I get it. I guess it's just, and and you're completely right to point out that in the heat of the moment isn't the best way to judge these things. But I guess to me, it's the re, it's the repeated heat of the moment reaction, right? Like Kuzma has to know they aren't they aren't like dogging him because they they want to dog him. They, they I don't know. And, and I, I think some of this also is is confirmation on the veterans part because Rajon Rondo is out there making the same mistakes over and over and over again. And they aren't up in his grill about it either. Right. And that's where if I were Kuzma, I'd be like, hey, this guy's fucking up, too. 
Like we got to if if you're going to point out every single mental mistake I make, at some point we got to point out the fact that this guy who's supposed to be a leader and the thinker on this team is making mental mistake after mental mistake after mental mistake. Like what's going on there? So like I'm not saying that the veterans are handling this perfectly. I also don't think Kuzma is handling this out perfectly. And you mentioned that they have until April 15th to figure this out. They have until February fifth to six to, to or the the sixth or whatever well, the actual de- trade deadline is. Sure, that's like they, if they if they don't have it figured out or they even if they don't have it figured out, they don't start making more progress to where they don't have to pull them aside so often. That's that's, that's what it. we need to see before then. They need to feel by the trade deadline that they will get there by April 15th, right? Yeah. It's one of those, yeah. can we get this done in two months type situations, you know? Yeah. And hopefully the answer is yes. And Kuzma has made progress, but there are still things that, you know, he, he's got a ways to go. And so that's the big calculation. And yeah. then you go into a long-term type thing. Like what is, if you decide, no, Kuzma is not going to be up to speed by the playoffs. We need to get somebody who's more able to contribute now. Well, how good does that guy need to be? Right. In order to like Derek Rose was a guy that Chris Haynes brought up, right? We may have spoken that into existence. (laughs) Um, No, no, I'm sure they were. Yeah. Uh, But like, does Derek Rose who signed for this year and next, is he a better player? on this team over the course of two years than Kyle Kuzma is. Yeah. I, like, let's actually talk about that r- real quick. Do you need to kick it to break before? Yeah, we, let's uh, actually, I was actually, I, I wanted to talk about Rose anyway. I, I was sitting there late last night and I was thinking, wait, so if the Lakers are in on Derek Rose, what does this mean about Darren Collison? And then my wheels started spinning because that's how my brain works. So I want to talk about all of that here in a second. Today's show is also brought to you in part by Calm. Calm and LeBron have teamed up to get you guys focused, not just, you know, new year, new you, new decade, new you. Everybody focuses on their physical well-being, but focusing on your mental and psychological well-being is just as, if not even more important. Uh, Calm has great opportunities to to calm yourself before you go to sleep. They have access by, by hopping on Calm.com using the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Uh, You can have access to all the nature scenes LeBron loves. He prefers rain on leaves and so much more like uh, sleep stories and meditations. Uh, If if the Lakers don't beat the Knicks and cover your my bookie bet, then you could take advantage of this offer through Calm where they get 40% off of your Calm premium membership. And, you know, I won't be particularly calm if the Lakers beat the Knicks. So hop on uh, calm.com slash LockedOnNBA. Again, that's calm.com slash LockedOnNBA to get that 40% discount. It, uh, you can unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. For somebody like me, sleeping better would be great. So again, that's calm.com slash LockedOnNBA. Today's show is brought to you in part by the Arizona Board of Tourism. Uh, hop on visitarizona.com slash spring training to get all the information you might need to learn about the, the great opportunity you have to watch some great baseball come spring training. If you aren't into spring training, uh, you can check out all the great hiking, great golf, great food, great uh, bar scene, music scene. Uh, they have great entertainment for kids all over the state. So again, that's visitarizona.com slash spring training. Uh, personally, I, I'm probably going to take a, a trip myself out there to Arizona in the spring. I've been visiting Lake Havasu forever. Uh, I have 
some friends in the greater Phoenix area that I might go out and, and, and visit come springtime. The weather is absolutely perfect that time of year. It's just it's a really cool uh, spot to check out. Again, that's visitarizona.com slash spring training. Visitarizona.com slash spring training. Go plan your trip today. All right, so you raised the point about Rose versus Kuzma in terms of the, the, the type of player, the caliber of player that they're going to be over the next few years, right? Because that's really the goal is maximizing the window while they have LeBron and while they have Anthony Davis. Um, really quick, either just put my mind at ease or send me even further into free fall. The fact that the Lakers are reportedly in on Rose, what does that say to you about what's going on here with Collison? Because he, for some reason, isn't making his decision until after the trade deadline. So if the Lakers are in on Rose, does that mean potentially that you know he has kind of told them, I'm probably leaning towards the Clippers anyway? It, it could mean that, but not necessarily. Yeah. Um, the optimistic point of view is that rumors like this are pretty – there's a latency effect to it, meaning that – they're discussing by the time it gets reported it's been discussed for a while yeah right like there's all sorts of rumors that that you'll hear that you know sometimes they go somewhere or sometimes not and then i I see this all the time like a month or six weeks later be like oh they're kicking the tires on this guy it's like oh that's crazy like we we heard about this a few weeks ago right now people people should just read our text chains (laughs) <laughs> I mean, let's not act like we're like some major insiders. Right? No, I mean, like, it's, but, a but lot it's, of the stuff is just commonsensical that, of course, it's going to come up like that. Right. And I mean, the the front office, I think, is more aligned with and in tune with what the needs of this team are. Like, I, I think it's very similar to what like they know. They know the Rondo ain't it, man. Yeah. They know that they need to upgrade. I even asked Palenka. Kuzma uh, just gave himself a high five. <laughs> <laughs> Palinka in the um, going into the season, he had a, a conference call, and I asked him about the guards. Right, I said, you know, uh, there's not a lot of shot creation. Everything you guys have heard me say, right, about my concerns, and he was like, you know, we've got there's a long time before this roster is fully settled. There's mm-hmm. the trade deadline. There's the buyout market. There, we will have opportunities to improve the team, which is a very political answer as well. It should be on a conference yeah. call with a bunch of reporters. Like <laughs> actually like, I'm freaking out suck. about it too. Yeah. <laughs> it is literally the biggest problem that this team is facing. <laughs> but, but he knew that at that time, I guarantee yeah. you that dude knew that at the time. Yeah. So he's been working that all along. So, like Collison for free is the best case scenario, right? Because yeah. you get to keep Kuz, you get to keep everything else that's really wonderful about this team and upgrade its biggest weakness to something that's pretty good. Yeah. So I don't necessarily tie the Rose rumors to the Collison rumors because that's probably something that's been percolating for a while, especially when you consider Arn Tellum, who runs the Pistons, was Rob Polinka's mentor. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they have all kinds of conversation anyway, so it makes sense. All right, let's get back to the point that led us into this segment, which was, and by the way, if we have time to get to a question or two, we will. But, you know, I I prefer it when topics just kind of create themselves Mm -hmm. organically. So I I, the the question that you asked before we went to break was, will Derrick Rose be a better, better player over the course of the next two seasons than Kuzmo might be over the course of the next two seasons. Uh, and I, I 
don't really know how I'd answer answer it. Better player, I I I'd probably say probably. Uh, better fit, given the the needs on this roster, I would probably say yeah. I, I do too, but he's got one massive red flag. Did you read the piece by well, Haynes? More than one, but yeah. Well, yes, more than one, indeed. <laughs> the in in the piece, Haynes referred to something that I've heard as well regarding Rose is that he's pretty happy with where he is in Detroit mm-hmm. and is that in that kind of starring role, has the ball in his hands, he's comfortable and happy. Yeah. If you are motivated by winning at all and you are not clamoring to get onto this Lakers team in a role where they have a massive need, yeah. do you really want you? Yeah. And if we do, how much are we willing to give up? We willing to give up to trade for you? Mm-hmm. So that's somewhere where, like, if Rose was like, "Hell yeah, I'm going to join these MFers and we're going to put all right. this pressure on the rim. We're going to whip some ass and win an NBA." He title. doesn't have a championship, right? No, no, absolutely not. He's never even been to a finals. But that's the Derrick Rose that I want. That's not necessarily the Derrick Rose that he that is. exists. Yeah, right. If we're trading for the guy that wants to stay in Detroit rather than coming to the Lakers, I'm not trading Kuzma for that guy. Even if theoretically that player – like you got to be all in and invested in the idea of, hey, let's win a title together. And if Rose ain't that, like what I'd be willing to give up for him probably wouldn't be enough to get him. I got to say if if that is indeed the case uh, (laughs) – that would be some of the dumbest stuff I've ever heard of because – like think think about think about the role player bump that the Lakers offer guys anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Every role player who helps the Lakers win gets overpaid. The list of that is like ever going. It, it's never going to end. So mm-hmm. Rose, somebody who probably has, I would say, maybe three contracts left in him in the NBA. In three three years, you mean? Yeah, like if, if like I would say, like I, I would say at most he's going to sign three more deals. So yeah, if, I think he signed like one more. <laughs> like I, I don't think he's got even that much. Well, yeah. I I think like if it's like you're talking about like three one year deals or like one decent sized two year deal and sure. then another one on the other end of that, right? Yeah. But like three is definitely pushing it. Mm-hmm. You want to maximize your ability to your earning potential in that time, and maybe Rose thinks that the way to do that is just to put up numbers on a bad team. And look, guys have been paid for that in in years past. But in my opinion, and I'm biased here, the best way to, to to see that maximized potential is to help the Lakers win. It is to get on the platform that the Lakers offer and help the Lakers win. Maybe I'm again, maybe I'm biased, and I'm not even trying to sell the Lakers to Derrick Rose. Somebody I'm for for a variety of reasons I'm just not all that interested in. But like if if that is where his head is at, yeah, I'm I'm with you completely. I, I'm 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 cool moving on and and putting all the chips in, in the basket or eggs in the basket of Darren Collison, who also has stuff in his background. You, you ever noticed that like Vince Carter's never signed one of those vet minimum deals with a contender? Yeah. <laughs> like some guys like they want to live their life and play basketball and 
yeah. be left alone, <laughs> you know, and, and enjoy their hundred million dollars. Yeah, I'm not telling with. him how to live his life. I'm just saying like from a business standpoint, I, I, I don't think the way he's going about it is all that smart. No, no, no. I totally agree with that. Right. Yeah. Like if, but if making money, he's a guy who signed a, didn't he sign, isn't there the Derek Rose Derek rule, Rose right? Rule. Like, yeah, right. Like mm-hmm. uh, he's, he's a guy who's signed at least one massive deal, maybe making a few million more dollars on his next deal because he signed this year and next mm-hmm. isn't as important to him as it is to other guys right yeah. like some dudes just want to like oh yeah i'll play sign a vet minimum in atlanta to shoot catch and shoot threes at 41 like leave me alone i don't want the pressure of playing for the lakers <laughs> i, I want to be the primary scorer on the detroit pistons it's good who are going to win 32 games right like yeah. i don't want to have all of the scrutiny that comes with playing for the lakers like it's not how I wish that was. I wish every guy was super, super competitive and wanted to win and all that. But that goes to what we were talking about at the beginning of the show with like rivalries and like what's important to these dudes, right? Yeah. Like some guys just want to be, make their, their money and be left alone. And I like, I understand it. I don't, wouldn't want it that way, but like, I totally get it. Yeah. I mean, I'm somebody who tells people all the time, lower expectations of yourself and you can't let anybody down. So <laughs> I'd be a hypocrite if I criticize it too much, but from a business standpoint, if you, if you are interested in making as much as you possibly can while you're in the NBA, I don't, I don't really think Rose is going about that all the best way. Let's, yep. uh, let's actually get to a, a question or two here before we get out of here. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Pete, did you happen to see the Kiwi pizza? Oh, yeah, that was an atrocity. Although, like, I'm less offended because I don't really like kiwi on their own. Uh-huh. They're okay, but... Oh, so, uh, yeah, I get it. Like, I love pineapple. That's See, that's part of it for me is that, like, pineapple's my favorite fruit. And so you're, like, defiling something precious to me mm-hmm. by cooking it and throwing it on a pizza. I would try it. I would try the kiwi pizza. It I'm just sure. depends on... I'm, I'm, it just depends on what's what else is on the pizza. Like... If it if it's just kiwi and it's because like the the picture that was shown was giant slices of kiwi, uh-huh. not really into it, <laughs> right? But if it's mixed in with something else, yeah, like if it's like some diced and roasted kiwi and and you have like the right kind of like Polynesian sauce and and maybe pineapple is also on there with some ham and bacon. <laughs> some of the shit y'all do to pizzas, it's like you don't actually want a pizza. Like, I mean, there's so much to perfectly good pizza that, like, all of a sudden it's just like pizza adjacent at that point. You're 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 geo pizza, dude. You're, you're <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just saying, make make pizza great again. All right, that's all I'm saying. All right, let's answer an actual question here. All right, uh, oh wait, so coups we just answered a ton of. Uh, Assess the threat. Writes, hey Anthony and or Pete. How did you learn your basketball X's and O's? I've learned a lot from watching LFR videos. I'm looking to expand my knowledge even further to bump up my analysis even more. Are there any books or something you could recommend that details some plays, how they function, etc.? I learned primarily from you, NBA 2K, B-Ball Breakdown on YouTube, but I really want to get into the meat now. Thanks. Love y'all's work. Uh, Cheers, Shakar. Yeah, that's a that's a great question, Shakar, who's, who asks uh, ask us a lot of questions. Appreciate mm-hmm. you, man. Um, I would recommend there's there's a site called Coach's Clipboard, and it's super like it looks like an Angel Fire website from 1999. Uh, <laughs> it's not MS DOS. Let, let me back up real quick. I think it's important to learn the individual player, like footwork, pivots, mm-hmm. all of the basic stuff 
uh, screen setting, the individual technique before the five on five concepts. I think it's really, I think we can get kind of enamored with the, oh, the, the wizard in the background drawing up the play for five guys. And it's yeah. this masterful stroke of coaching genius. But in reality, the game is way more player centric. And a lot of the mistakes or great moves that guys make are not the result of some brilliance by their coach. Mm-hmm. It's by their individual brilliance and not just their talent. It's technique. It's like, oh, you know, it's awesome. I, I highly recommend this. Steph Curry did a master class. Have you ever seen one of those videos? Uh, on Facebook? It, and Yeah, it was on Facebook or YouTube or something like that. Yeah. Uh, on shooting and ball handling, that was amazing. It was the best video I've seen on um, from from a player on shooting and dribbling technique and how mm-hmm. to get how to create space, the different elements of a jump shot. I would really look into now, but that's you got to pay money for that. So if you're looking for something for free, uh, yeah, coachesclipboard.net. There's JES, I think it is, dash basketball. Um, you know, if you are looking for five on five stuff, half court hoops is great, but he doesn't do a lot of explaining. So you kind of got to know what you're looking at to be like, oh, this is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, honestly, man, I, I, most of my basketball education is off of Google searches and all that. Um, can I tell a quick story real quick? Go for Anthony. it. Mm-hmm. So I got my coaching job. I'd been working in the insurance industry and I hated it and I wanted to go back to school. And so about six months before I had gone to a, a Clippers game with a mutual friend, it was the Clippers versus the Timberwolves, mm-hmm. uh, Blake Griffin versus, versus Kevin Love. And I was working in insurance. The guy I sat next to was the friend of my friend who brought me had just gotten this high school coaching gig and he needed a JV coach. Like he and I hit it off during the game. He's like, Oh, you know, your hoops. Uh, would you be interested in coaching? I always wanted to coach. I'd never done it. Mm-hmm. And he was like, uh, and I was like, Oh man, I'd love to, but I got this nine to five job. I don't really have time to be able to do this. I met this guy once in like January. I leave my job to go back to school, uh, with the idea of going, becoming a history teacher, becoming a high school basketball coach. Yep. Like, Two weeks later, I was going to do English and basketball. That's what I was going to do. I was going to do history and basketball. Mm -hmm. Right. So two weeks later, this guy who I met once six months before emailed me and said, hey, I got your email from Justin. Uh, I'm just a shot in the dark. I know you said you couldn't, but I still have this need. Any chance you can do this? Like, matter of fact, yes, I quit my job two weeks ago. I can work this into my schedule. The we I end up helping him out. This is during fall and, and workouts and whatnot. The team was terrible the year before. This is going to be his first year as a coach. And so I'm helping. I was going to be the JV coach and his main assistant, which is usually how that works mm-hmm. on the high school level. He has to, something happens with his life situation and he has to quit two weeks before the first regular season game. So I have never coached a basketball game before. <laughs> uh, and the, the administration for the school was like, well, I guess you're the head coach because we don't have time to find anybody. <laughs> and so I was like, I guess I'm the head coach. Shit, 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 shit. <laughs> so it was like nights after nights after nights of yeah. just diving into all of these like like use Google, man. Like it, it, Championship Productions has a lot of great DVDs. It, a lot of it goes into how much money you want to spend. If you really want to learn more about it, like coach a team, even if it's youth, youth yeah, basketball. That's what I was going to say. Volunteering for your high school team, things like that. But – 
really having that driver behind me. Like I always really wanted to get into basketball and I knew my, I was like, I was knowledgeable for sure, but really getting into it was like this. I do not want to embarrass myself and I've got two weeks to figure this out. And Lord knows I embarrassed myself plenty that first season, <laughs> right? Cause I was figuring things out. The first time somebody pressed us, I was like, just break the press guys. Like <laughs> you can dribble. And then I was like, Oh shit, they're rolling us right now. And then like the rest of the year, it was like all press break stuff. And sometimes yeah. it was good. Sometimes it wasn't, but, uh, yeah, like dive into it, do your research, get on the ground and on the on the floor, see the game from that ground level, even if it's coaching fourth graders. If you really love basketball, really want to get in the meat of it, that's what you got to do. Yeah, I was going to say it, a lot of this, it actually is almost like learning a second a second language. Uh, you start with foundational stuff, you learn the rules, and then eventually you can build on top of that. And the best place to do that, you know, the best place to learn a new language is to immerse yourself in that language. Mm-hmm. And it, like. I took four years of high school Spanish. I took two years of college Spanish. I did everything that you could, you could probably want to do uh, to realistically learn a language. I never did anything better in learning the language than the months I would spend in El Paso talking to my family in Spanish. And you eventually you start dreaming in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And uh, basketball and sports in general like that, you got to immerse yourself in, in the game. And, and while, yeah, there are Google searches and stuff that you can go on, I, I – I literally could not do what I do right now if I didn't coach. I literally mm-hmm. could not do it. Not just from an X as a no standpoint and the fu- and, and the fundamental standpoint. That's a misconception, yes. Yeah, it's understanding the way people work. That's why, you know, when this Kuzma thing comes up, it's not just – it's not – because we've seen all uh, stuff like that. We have all had experience and stuff like that, whether it was in playing the game or or in workplace environments or whatever. It, it's all, you know, sociopolitical uh, – you know, conversations and, and interactions that we all have with each other and how people handle those interactions that, that define success and, and failure. But, you know, if, if I never, I, I was the same kind of thing. I graduated in 04 from high school, uh, kind of tooled around college, really loved playing. I, 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 uh, I basically, I, they asked me at Fullerton if I wanted to walk on over there and the hours that, that they would have, I would have had to commit to were just unrealistic but i still wanted to have basketball at a higher level than playing pickup you know once or twice a week or three or four times a week so i just went back to my old alma mater uh talked to mark hill who was down there and he offered me a job as a freshman coach went in and and coached a couple games with uh the frost soft team and back then or was still the case but it was the summer program that that i first got my experience in I handled the summer program well enough that he said, "You know what? You can. You're good enough. You can. You can handle JV." So I took the JV team that year, worked as his assistant also on the with the varsity team, and then a year later was given the the girls varsity head coach job there at, at Esperanza there too. Had a good first year, awful second year, and I was way too immature to have my own program and 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 whatever. But like literally the the stuff that we talk about and and the way that we kind of look at the game right now, Pete, I, I think I speak for both of us when I say we literally could not talk about the game the way that we do without that experience. It just it's impossible. No, that so much of coaching at very low levels of basketball informs what I know about the highest level of basketball that it's not even funny, right? Yeah. And I also it also lets me know that not being a college coach or an NBA coach, there are worlds of things that I do not know. Yeah. And even being perceived as somebody who has some expertise on basketball or the Lakers, let me say this as loudly as I can. There is a lot that I do not know about basketball. Yeah. 
I'm trying. And that's it's going to be a lifetime long journey for me to learn as much as because that's really what my love about this is, is basketball and the Lakers. Right. Yeah, like the moving car target. And yeah. Right. And so. But that's that's part of what's so wonderful about it is there's a lifetime of meat on the bone, right, of, of stuff you can get into, little nooks and crevices you can get into about the game. So, Shakar, if you're really into this, man, like dive into it. Go coach a team. Go volunteer at the local high school. Yeah. But this has to be something where it's not – coming from external, but it's like, it has to be internal. Like I really want to do this. And you'll be surprised how much progress you'll make very quickly. Like that, that team, that first team that I coached, we went two, we went two and eight. I think they, they were 0 and 10 in league the year before we went two and eight. But by the end of that season, we had all kind of gotten it. I had kind of gotten my footing as a coach, Mm -hmm. the players, it's our, everybody showed up for off season workouts. We got a couple of kids that, that transferred in that were like, Hey, this is like, we want to be a part of this. And all of a sudden we won league next year. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, it's, you're never going to accrue all of that knowledge at once, but if you really commit to it, you can, you can make a lot of progress in a, in a short period of time while full well knowing that you've got way much more progress to make that you'll never get all the way to full basketball expertise. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's funny. Uh, the Lakers just played the Cavs the other day and I was watching at home. Um, and right after the game, LeBron walked up to the Cleveland bench and met with some players. Obviously, Kevin Love walked over, said hi. Tristan Thompson, same kind of thing, said hi to some of the coaching staff. And then my buddy, high school buddy of mine, or even before high school buddy of mine, Mike Garrity, who is, I think, one of their player development coaches, walks up, says hi to him. They have their exchange. And I kind of texted a few of my friends who cover the Cavs. And I said, hey, what's what's Garrity up to? What's he focused on over there? And they're like, oh, he's player development, mostly shooting. And I was like, shooting? That was like, Garrity was an incredible player. He played at modern day. I, I'm not sure if he still holds the record for assists for uh, a point guard over there, all-time assist record that they have over there. He was a really good player, but what he was not was a shooter, right? Mm-hmm. And like, it just kind of, it made me chuckle because, you know, that was not what he was really good at, but... It just kind of goes to show that the the knowledge is out there. And, and yes, it helps to be able to do, to be able to teach. But if you can learn to teach and, and you understand the, the idiosyncrasies that goes into teaching itself and dealing with people itself, themselves, that's that's where it all starts. And, yeah, yeah you, you aren't going to get that from Google searches. That's right. All right. That'll do it for this episode of the Lockdown Lakers podcast. Uh, the Lakers, I believe, take on the Knicks next, and that will be, I think, tomorrow night or tonight by the time you guys are listening to this. Yeah. So uh, I will be back after the game to recap that. Uh, thank you guys very much for tuning in. Thank you for the questions that we have been receiving. Um, I, I know that we have kind of moved, not off completely, but we have kind of detoured back towards us creating our own topics uh i'm i'm not gonna lie i got a little lazy there with the, with the mailbag with how well you guys were doing creating content for us but i figure i should do what my job pays me to do so we got back to that thank you guys though for for that anyway keep sending those in and if i don't get to them i'll get to them on on patreon so have a great rest of your day make somebody else's we'll talk to you tomorrow